You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hey everybody, welcome to Season 3, Episode 8 of Reporting is Eligible, which I wrote down so I would remember. Um, <laughs> this is the game following the, the 49ers game, um, it, the real barn burner of a game where the Packers won on a last second field goal by Mason Crosby, who is just incredible. Um, they have the Pittsburgh Steelers coming up, who are just kind of a mess, and um, be kind of similar to the Saints, I think. But uh, Or the 49ers. Get, what's that? Or the 49ers. Or the 49ers. Um, uh, I feel like there's a lot of injury messes in the league early on, more so than usual. I mean, football is football, and people get hurt a lot, but uh, I feel like like half the teams are missing half of their people, and it's just a, kind of a big disaster. And um, more, uh, I feel like it happens usually later in the year. Like you get uh, the 49ers were hurt for like the entire second half of last year, haven't really recovered yet, but uh, it. Uh, it's making for, I think, a, I don't know, kind of boring a little bit. Like, it was exciting. That game was exciting. But, uh, like, seeing the Bears just get annihilated because there's no healthy people on their line and their coach is bad, like, that's no fun. Well, it's kind of fun because it's the Bears. But anyway, <laughs> uh, <laughs> we'll get to that later. Um, to start off, joining me in Urban Wauwatosa, getting mad at the Cardinals, as am I, by the way. We have with us. Hey, it's uh, J.R. Radcliffe, training sports reporter for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Not nearly as mad at the Cardinals as I would be if they had, uh, if the Brewers had not swept the New York Mets over the weekend and locked up that NL Central. This is uh, this is pretty much just all falling action. But uh, yeah, uh, it's it's telling, isn't it, when the Packers are missing their two best linemen, their best pass rusher, one of their guys in their secondary. Results may vary. Um, and they're not one of the more hurt teams, you know, like that sounds like a, that sounds like a death sentence. And yet, you know, they're okay compared to where the 49ers were at. That was, that was such a good game. That was really, it was well played. Aaron did some crazy stuff. Everybody, you know, defense held up their end of the bargain. I would say yep. you had people recreating the LMAO. They, they cheering with one thirteen left meme in the stands at Levi stadium, a callback to 2017. That's uh, that I love. Nice work on that one, by the way. Well done. <laughs> Oh man, so great, so great! It's like you know how the onion has the uh, horrible, the worst person in the world just made a good point. Yes, that headshot, and as soon as someone posts it, you know exactly what it means. You need no words. You know the whole context. That's how I feel about Kevin Spiegel, uh, an Oshkosh man who, in 2017, posted that uh, that very viral Snapchat uh, image from the Cowboys game with fans cheering in the background. He's like now the quintessential "you have celebrated too early" like 
<laughs> it's like, true, right? Do that forever. <laughs> yeah, and it's only applicable in very certain situations. Like you got to go up late. The other team has to have a top flight quarterback or top flight something. You know, like it, it doesn't work all the time. Props to the the two guys in San Francisco who I talked to who figured out in the moment that this is this is my time. You know, this is the time to uh, to capitalize on it. That was a very fun thing. I wrote at jsonline.com. Very fun. I do feel like it was a well-played game that was kind of ruined by Jerome Boger and his crew a little bit because they really like took a lot of the rhythm and momentum away from both teams on numerous occasions. Um, and I, I think maybe cost the Packers a little bit of cushion too. Not that the Packers didn't benefit. They got a bunch of pass interference penalties. But, you know, they also got their, their best receiver concussed and then not taken out of the game. And, um, and kind of the 49ers got handed points at the end of the half. Um, and Eric Stokes's numbers look worse than they otherwise would have because of them. Um, so that was kind of a black mark on it. But other than that, it was really well played. I feel like you got kind of what you expect out of both teams. Uh, Aaron showed up. The, the offense looked pretty good. Devontae looked pretty good. Um, Packer defense, uh, I think we should uh, not take credit, but we were all kind of like, without Kevin King, they're going to be better at defense. And then Kevin King didn't play, and Eric Stokes played. And they're better at defense. It's one of those things where just like the the layman fan is correct about it, and it should have been that way the whole time. Because uh, Stokes well, was good. We'll, yeah, we'll see. Because stands to reason Kevin King will be back in the slot, uh, kicking Shannon Sullivan back off the field. I, I know Shannon Sullivan hasn't hasn't necessarily been a like shining star or anything, but uh, it, it is different when he's out there. It, it, it seems like that's probably their optimal situation to have Alexander and Stokes on the outside and. Yeah, I mean, pretty clear. A couple guys, Stokes and John Runyon Jr. It's pretty clear those guys are starters, right? Like, I don't know how you how you take them off the field at this point. You certainly, I don't know, definitely not Runyon. And I, I, I don't imagine they're gonna they're gonna sit Eric Stokes again. They can't. They, they just can't. I, I know that Kevin King just seems to stay on the field no matter what, but it, it's just so obvious that Stokes is a, just just a, such an athletic upgrade. You know, when Kevin King gets smoked or out of position. It's just, it's over. The play's over. It's a touchdown. But we saw Stokes get, get smoked a couple times and just that speed. He was able to just get back in there and catch yeah. up. And, you know, even if he's not as technically sound as King, that goes a long way towards reducing the problems that King causes out there. So um, he, he was good. I, his uh, uh, PFF comments, I was, I was just going in there to see if he was truly better than King, which well, I don't know why I bothered because I hate PFF grades. But um, they ripped him for his pass interference penalties. And I, I like they're supposed to be grading process, not results. And I thought his coverage on both were fine. Certainly on the thirty-five yard one where he like lightly tapped. Uh, I think it was Debo. It might have been Ayuk. It doesn't matter. Um, th- like you shouldn't penalize him for that. That's just a bad call. <laughs> In a huge like he basically played good defense on third and fourteen, and it should have been a Packers ball. And instead, he gave up thirty-five yards. So that's stupid. Yeah, He's you got good. that I'm call. Very happy you with him. Uh, the Alexander call, the 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 roughing the passer feels feels very wrong. I, obviously, you've got potentially a targeting penalty on Jimmy Ward over the middle. It, it was not, I guess, as severe as it looked because Devontae Adams. It certainly looked like helmet to helmet in the in the moment. Obviously, uh, he goes off the field. He comes right back. No concussion. You know, he said he didn't even get hit in the head. That it was more about like catching his breath a little bit. <laughs> and, and I mean, replays do back it up. Like it doesn't. It looked so much worse in real time than it than it was. It's still, I think, a penalty, and I, I think I think it was a penalty, but yes. you know, it, it's it's not maybe quite as severe. As far as Jerome Bogart goes, I understand. I, I definitely understand why people get upset by the calls. Um, 
and and it's a it's sort of a toothpaste out of the tube situation where like it's not that the calls that favored the Packers weren't pass interference like you have to call them as pass interference but it felt a little wrong that Green Bay was able to weaponize pass interference and have always been able to weaponize pass interference the way they do I mean Devonte Adams is very skilled and again he in the instances where it was flagged on his man they were pass interference of course yep, they were they were but but it felt like okay it's second, third and long all they got to do is throw the ball up down the field and somebody is going to run into a cornerback i mean and it applies on the other end because like you said eric stokes probably shouldn't have been called for a penalty but it just it just there's a degree of wrongness there that i can't maybe quite articulate that it is so easy i don't want to be the skip, skip bayless here bag of tricks guy but it is so easy for the <laughs> packers and maybe anybody to just go out there and get those yards via pass interference there was a play robert tanyan i think picked up a flag and, and again on replay it sure looked at uh, real time it's like really he's just running right with the guy yeah uh and, and yeah it's 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 pi it is it just i don't know it so, just feels a little you know a little wrong if i might do an early plug i actually wrote this week on acme packing company quantifying all of the major calls in the game and i took Very out good. i took out the five yarders because they're often objectively true so just just the bigger plays, the JR call and the Stokes call and the PIs. And um, even if you, first of all, the biggest call in the game, I think, was was correct, which was the Adrian Amos tripping call. And you can argue yes. he was being held when that happened, but it was very, you can't do it. Like, it's super obvious he stuck his foot out. <laughs> um, that, that was worth 10 points of win percentage um, to the 49ers once it was called. But even if you take that out, um, the 49ers still on net uh, benefited from about 12 percentage points of win percentage from, I would say, questionable calls from from the Jair call, from um, the calls at the end of the first half um, that gave them a bunch of additional shots at touchdowns. Um, so the Packers didn't like get nothing. They got 19 percentage points of win percentage from all from the three PI calls. But there were a lot of other substantial ones that, that added up against the Packers, too. So and that's annoying i mean you want the calls to be correct but there were a lot of questionable huge calls in that game um on both sides and that's you know it's no fun i mean it means we can't trust the results as much as we otherwise would be able to especially in a game this close that came down to the, the last second so kind of a bummer but there was like a lot of you, good things too um like you've pointed out it's different from baseball where it's it's very well i guess it's not diff- completely different but there are calls that weren't made that also factor in here you know and You'll see 49ers fans complaining that John Runyon was holding his man on on the throw that that Rodgers made to Adams, the first big throw in that final drive to set up the field goal. That's where I have very little tolerance for ref bashing. It's like, look, (laughs) I I don't even believe there's holding on every play as the cliche goes, but there is enough of it where you're not telling me that they're going that this misholding call is going to be, you know, is going. I don't compute those. I, I just can't. There's too many of them. I can't. I can't allow myself to be like, oh, there should have been holding on that play. That's too much. Yeah. That's where I draw the line. I'm with you on that. I'm just. I ignore holding now. It's just a random thing that happens to make football games spice up a little bit. <laughs> Cardinal thing just happened 30 seconds ahead. Apparently, um, you'll see. One one of my favorite terrible football video games is called uh, Jerry Glanville's Pigskin, which is Vikings playing football. It's, uh, oh wow! It's a uh, it's awful, but one of the cool things about it is if you <laughs> sounds get down, amazing. If you get down by too much, I, I love it. By the way, it's it's super fun, even though it's stupid. If you get down by too much, they add a troll to the other team to get them back in it. And uh, incredible. So every both teams have captains, and the captains are like super powered. They're harder. To, you need like two people to tackle them, and the trolls are the power of captains. And if you get down by even more, they'll add more trolls to it. It's a. Uh, <laughs> it's like Mario Kart, baby. You get far enough back, yeah, it's you got blue shell. It totally day. is. 
And so, like, there was an arcade version that was not sponsored, and then for some really weird reason, they got Jerry Glanville to sponsor the the console version of it. And there's only three plays in it, and it doesn't matter what they are, but the last one is called just Bad Attitude, and when you hit the button, you get a a voice sample of Jerry Glanville saying, let's kick some butt, (laughs) which is great. That's the bad attitude, the southern southern drawl. Love that. Jerry Glanville, I feel like, had a kind of an okay career for himself, given that I don't know if he was a particularly effective NFL coach, but he had the announcing thing. I feel like his name is on more than just a video game. He's kind of he kind of had a brand thing going on for a little while. I feel like it, it was really mostly marketing it. with him because I, I think he just coached bad Falcons teams mostly. Didn't I think he? that's right. Yeah, that's, that's my memory. He had the draw, but that's all. That's all. Yeah. Anyway, we had more good defensive performances. That that Jair um, interception was amazing. It was like the oh my de- gosh. defense equivalent of the Rodgers throw to Adams at the end. He came out of nowhere and Alexander. Um, sorry, I always am a little little Hamilton inspired when I see the guy make a great play. Um, yeah, he's he's awesome. I mean, like him tackling George Kittle toward the end of the game, underrated moment. You know, like good call. He, he had to basically like ride him like a cowboy on a on a, on a bull. I mean, Jair's what a third of Kittle's size. Bringing him down is really tough. I mean, he's he's good pass rusher. He gets the pi the not pi but the roughing the passer call. But like he's he's active at the line. He's freaking Charles Woodson, and then he can run, <laughs> a, you know, halfway across the field. He's not in the he's not in the in the frame when that ball is released, and he goes in center fields that thing. He's uh he's special, man. It's it, everything is just easier because of him. I mean, this is this is why you can afford to have Stokes with, you know, I, you know, you you pick on the weak link. I get that. So it's not like it's not like Jair Alexander makes a great secondary all by himself. But what a playmaker! I mean, he really he shows up making at least one play every single game. And uh, there, man, what a what a draft that that was a major draft home run. Absolutely. Considering the Steelers are coming to town, T.J. Watt will be here, injured or not. We will be focusing on one of the biggest draft misses in Packers history. Got to point out that Jair Alexander is a major home run where they drafted him. Yep, absolutely true. And uh, you can argue the the corner is actually more important than the edge rusher, though. You know, T.J. is pretty awesome. So, um, but Jair, he just makes everything so much easier. He, like that's the the infuriating thing about having king on the other side for so long is you don't need somebody a superstar over there you just need somebody average you just need somebody Mm -hmm. who can deal with number two receivers not let people behind you and can can have safety help because jared can just do it by himself and uh he he's not that so um uh, stokes looks like we may have some that's i think the main take of this we may have something here like jair and stokes and amos and savage look pretty good back there and um Devondre Campbell keeps playing well and, you know, was kind of a nothing coming into this season, had not yeah. been a particular standout before. Um, I know I ripped on PFF's grades before, but they have him as the 10th best inside linebacker in the league. Um, and normally I would criticize that, but he, lo- he kind of looks like it. He's been very smart. He's been good in pass coverage. He's uh, He's been a good run thumper and stuffer. And uh, he, I mean, he's just loads better than they've had for a long, long time. So did I see him make a special teams tackle? He wasn't on special teams, was he? I think he? he was for a couple snaps. I think he made a good tackle on special teams. I don't know <laughs> if that's true or not. But, I mean, he's obviously with the dreads, he's extremely recognizable. You know where he is on the field. The guy built like that. Um, he's he's in he's in every play. He's he's What a signing. My goodness. Yeah, really good. Um, by the way, small sample size alert, but Oren Burks is actually one of the 10 best inside linebackers by PFF grades, too. And I think that's mostly based on this game where he had a few splash plays. When he was out there just flying forward, which is all you all you're gonna ask from Oren. But uh, 
it, it looks like he if he might actually be able to contribute a little bit when they actually play you know normal non nickel defense. So that's good too. And I might be able to contribute because I'm Matt, but you can call me Matt. <laughs> Uh, that's, that's a record. That's, that's a, a record, record for sure. <laughs> well done. Uh, that was that was a little by design, or not not by design. You you were was... you were a late arrival, a late arrival to the party. Yep. Yes. So I'm um, I'm not in Kansahoma this this week. I'm in KCK, as the locals call it, uh, the Kansas part of Kansas City. Ah, yes. The other and side. I, <laughs> uh, Overland Park, to be specific. Oh, nice place. It's yeah. actually it, it ain't bad. Yeah, I mean, I, you're in Kansas. My, my hotel room has a living room. Awesome. Wait, I called, did I, I just called the University of Kansas. Shame on me. <laughs> yes, you did. Shame on me. I hate it when people do that. I'm always like, that's not the order. Like, like I'm, I'm an alumni of every university in the world and I care what order the, the words go in. But I would, well, I would definitely jump on somebody who went University of Kansas. I enjoy saying that in order to bother people. Yes, I, 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 all, I often say an Ohio State. <laughs> yeah I, I i did a lot in minnesota i said minnesota university a lot they hate that <laughs> oh <laughs> no it's like wisconsin it. university oh no oh no sometimes a recruit will will get it wrong and it's uh, like it, you just have to laugh like i'm <laughs> pleased to commit to the wisconsin to wisconsin university and like eh, we're fixed. gonna have to You'll learn yeah yeah okay. yeah you're young you're young Anyway, so, we're talking about Devondre Campbell, but uh, I, I I know I, <laughs> I sat in for a minute. Hey, speaking of special teams, did you guys talk about Alan Lazard? Uh, we have not gotten to Alan yet because we're on the um, defense. But uh, well, you specifically mentioned special teams as I was entering the conversation. Did you know Alan Lazard purposely played on kickoff coverage after the big return? I did know that. I noticed him out there, <laughs> and our favorite wide receiver fullback did a very nice job out there, and will probably be out there again. So he actually went over to uh, the coaches and was like, hey, that big run back ain't happening anymore. I'm on kickoff, which is good. I like all these people on the team telling the people who suck on the team to stop sucking on the team, (laughs) whether it's Matt (laughs) LaFleur telling Joe Barry to stop sucking or Alan Lazard telling Maurice Drayton to stop sucking. I am hugely in favor of this happening. I, I like the accountability. Now it should be caveat for for Mo Drayton. It sounds like, according at least to to the, the beat reporters, that he lost some people close to him. Don't know a lot of circumstances, but there've been some sudden deaths or something in his family, and so he. I don't I don't know for sure if he was there. Oh, did not know that actually. He okay. might have been. He might. I, I don't know. I I don't know what the circumstances were, but um, heavy heart if, if nothing else. And so uh, so that was something to consider as well. Um, not that that necessarily has anything to do with how the field product turned out, but. Uh, Certainly, you know, special teams, I, I was, I've been thinking about it because special teams is such a, it's such a tough catch-all, you know, like when you think of it, you understand that that includes Corey Bajorquez's punting and Mason Crosby's 51-yard field goal to win the game. And, you know, mostly a fine night, but you make the one error, the one kickoff coverage error that, that like, let's be honest, that's the, the play we're talking about. That is, yeah. that is as which, damning as the NFC championship which first they half game. always do. In the first half. It just happens so always. often. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so like you make that one mistake, and immediately special teams is a net loss for the for the day. It's like the offensive line, you know. The key is going a whole game without hearing your name, basically. Yep. So that's it's tough. There are there are a lot of positives when you when you look at the kicking game and the punting game, and you know there's there's a lot of most of the time things are fine, but but obviously you just you just can't allow you can't allow that at the end of the half. That is Scotty Miller getting behind the defense. Yep. I mean it's it's that level of of bad. Uh, unfortunately, Wait, you mean you mean giving up a fifty-yard return 
right before the half is a bad thing. You think they would learn, uh, but they never seem to. I think the most surprising thing about the game, and a lot of surprising things, Preston Smith seems good again. And I had yeah, where did that Preston, come from? I'd written Preston Smith off as ever being good again. I I didn't think he had it in him. I don't think he's a good mix with Joe Barry, who he's played with before and not been a good mix with. And I I just didn't see this happening. But he was outstanding. He was he was setting the edge really well. He was busting guys up. He was breaking through tight ends. Um, and he looks like it looks like two years ago, which is a good lesson. Like if you play well for a season once, you can do it again. It's possible. It does happen sometimes. And Maybe you shouldn't write guys off quite as quickly, especially when you're kind of playing for another contract, which, you know, is always a good lesson to keep in mind, too. Guys do play to get paid, and Preston's going to be up pretty soon. But I, I yeah, honestly well, just flabbergasted that he actually is worth something this year. It's, it's who great. Is, He's who, been better who than was the last, Gary has, which is weird. Well, who was the last Packers mediocre linebacker to play for a contract? Uh, Nick, Nick Perry, right? Oh, yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah, I suppose that's probably Nick Perry right. played out of his mind, secured a good contract, and then went on to suck. <laughs> it it does happen sometimes. Uh, my biggest surprise is on the other side because after the first series, I didn't think Yash Nyman could do this. Oh yeah, good Nick call. Nick Bosa Nick Bosa just destroyed him, and I don't know what it was if they figured out ways to give him help or if he just simply stepped yeah. up. <laughs> but like, what a credible, what a great performance from from a back oh. left tackle. Senor Roberto Grande removed Nick Bosa's soul through his butthole. Yeah, that also, was the end of Nick Bosa. Yes, also one of the plays of the game and worth watching on repeat over and over again. If... <laughs> hey, did did you guys see the Corliss uh, thing I, I posted? Oh, no. What was that? Okay, so it was almost the exact same play. Corliss was out wide, motions into the slot for like a bunch left, and then completely decleats Jared Allen. Oh, okay. it's it's like the exact same alignment, the exact same play, everything. It's it's amazing. And for those listening who may not have noticed Bob Tanyan destroying Nick Bosa, because it wasn't really a huge focus of the broadcast, and it really is sort of a, a meme thing. Go seek it out because you don't see Nick Bosa get destroyed like that very often, and you don't see Bob destroy people very often, let alone the two coming <laughs> together. Like he's you know he's he's not a blocking tight end and. He just did an, just a fantastic job, and, and Bosa never showed up again. It, it just erased him from the game. Here's a, here's the great thing about being a rube like me who doesn't doesn't really understand how to look at game film. I looked at that clip like four or five times before I could really see it, even though I knew it was there. You know, you're just you just watch the ball and you watch the action and the quarterback dropping back and stuff. And like, yeah, I see he's on the on the ground at the end, but you just like you can't keep your eyes on Robert Tanyan. And so it's like one of those uh like those things in the nineties where you cross your eyes and then sort of release them and you could sort of see the hidden image <laughs> in the like it's a sailboat. It's a sailboat. It's a yep. sailboat. Yeah, exactly. Oh, Mickey Mouse. <laughs> like slowly but surely, after four, five, six cycles through, it's like, oh, I see it now. I can see it. It's a beautiful thing. Yep. Yeah. You I, dumb bastard. Back a to schooner the schooner is a sailboat. We can do more offense in a second because we should talk about the end sorry, sorry, yes. in some detail. But uh the defense, like their numbers, don't look super great overall because they did give up quite a few points. But on they only gave, they gave up four touchdowns. On two of those touchdowns, there were huge um, penalties that allowed them to continue. And one at the, the one at the end, which was just good hurry up offense by the 49ers, I do. I, I mean, I I feel like they they kind of got out of sorts on that a little bit. That they're better 
when they're playing a more balanced offense and I don't know. But two of those touchdowns were directly the results of, of either a 35-yard defensive pass interference penalty um, or the stupid 68-yard return by Trent Cannon and then Stokes getting a five-yard DPI and intentional grounding not being called. Like uh, Special teams and officials dragged the 49ers to that first touchdown. So um, you can put some of this on the defense, but they played a lot better than I think the numbers show, uh, than the, the points showed at least. They were they were good. So uh, longtime fans of mine, a.k.a. all one of you, um, <laughs> will remember an episode of Hottest Take of the Week, like when I very first started working with Acme Packing Company, where the Packers played against the Lions, and Jerome Bozier was the head ref. And TJ Lang was called for blocking in the back by pushing someone in the chest. I remember that. Yes. That's and TJ, okay. they, I remember that there's a very famous gif from that where, where TJ looks up at the replay and goes, what? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I've, hate, I've disliked Jerome Bozier since that. He's not also, a good official. In, um, he hasn't worked. A, um, I, I should confirm this, but uh, Justice mentioned that he hasn't worked a playoff series in like a decade, and oh, you know, they, really? it's not it's not a good sign for you. So fun fact, because he's a high profile ref, like a lot of people know his name. Yes, maybe 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 that's why. Also, in 2006, the Packers signed and subsequently cut his son. Yes, that's true that too. Was trotted out quite a bit during this game. Whatever. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I think I, I can't abide. This is definitely a Hanlon's razor thing. Um, you don't need you don't need to assign malice to Jerome Boger. There's he's just bad. He's just bad. <laughs> you know, I've, and it wasn't I've... him. I don't believe it was him who flagged Alexander on the on the roughing the passer. I forget if that's the one. One of the very questionable calls. It wasn't. It wasn't him. It was the umpire who called it. Also out of position, it was a very. It was. I mean, now as the ref, I suppose Jerome Booker could pick up the flag and be like, "Yeah, that's not what happened." But um, I do. I don't believe it was specifically on him as the ref. Yeah, anyway. I would agree. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, shout out to an underrated defender, Henry Black, safety. Uh, I don't know if he had a good game. Probably not. In fact, <laughs> this play, he got blown over by Kyle Juszczyk. Kyle Juszczyk went the last three yards carrying Henry Black with him. And thank God he did. Yep. Because if he makes that tackle on the one-yard line, we are talking about a Green Bay Packers loss. But Juszczyk gets in the end zone. 37 seconds on the clock. That's too much time for my quarterback. I don't, I don't have – Yeah. Well, I also – I don't have the, the play directly in front of me. But I'm 99% sure that, like, Savage is in on the cleanup and then just kind of just goes, ugh. Like, like, yeah, Amos about, had a shot. Amos, it, Amos got burned too. And I, I wonder if he was thinking, hey, let's let him go. Yeah, but I, I swear it was like Savage came up to help Black and was just like, eh. <laughs> like, just a little tappy tap. Yep. Because Savage you. is a missile. That, like, you want to talk about someone in the secondary who can throw a hit, it would be him. Rock in a hard place there because the 49ers do need to score. I mean, they need the touchdown and, and you can go down at the one and yes, there's a great chance you score, but with 37 seconds left, you fumble the ball, you commit a false start. There's a lot of things that go on there. I think they right, have to get in. I'm 99% sure they snapped the ball with 18 seconds left on the play. Clock. It was 12, um, 12. Yeah. Okay. Oh. And that, that was their big mistake is they didn't flip to time. Doesn't matter anymore. Quick enough because and and that's why they left too much time on the clock. They they did snap the ball on first down with the clock running with 12 seconds left on the play clock. They could have scored with 25 seconds left. Um, so yeah, you can't you can't not score there. You have to actually get the touchdown. That's that's the key. 
But they had three timeouts, and they did have the ability to yeah, control right. this a lot better than they did. The other thing they screwed up was on the ensuing kickoff and kicking it through the end zone, which takes no time. Um, that calls for a pop-up kickoff um, you know, inside the 10 and forcing at least a touch and a return. Catch. They really should have done that. Uh, and if you're worried about the Packers running back a touchdown on the kickoff, they haven't done it since 2011 um, and are absolutely no threat to do that kind of thing. Is that, was that Cobb's rookie year? It the, was. The it was Randall catch? Cobb who actually did it. It was. Oh, wow. I was going to have no guess there. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, that was that was uh, Randall Cobb versus the Saints. Yep. Uh, and John Kuhn catches him as he's falling to allow the, the play to continue. That's right. 108 if yards. You had, and... If you had said who's the last kickoff return, I would have said Basil Mitchell back in the more points, 99. <laughs> more points, 99. Oh, that's, more points 99. That's the last one I can remember. I mean, obviously, obviously, I just forgot about can, others. Can we go more than two months without mentioning more points, 99? Probably no, not. absolutely not. That's fantastic. Why? More points, 99 rules. It's the greatest right, if, meaningless regular season game in Packers history. If you are playing the RAE drinking game at home, more points, 99 is a finish your drink call <laughs> excellent excellent kenny clark by the way also great yeah fantastic game great. playing uh moving around a little bit on the line too and getting some pass rush opportunities which he well, did alex well. mack, yeah, that's new yeah alex mack is 150 years old and he is made out of <laughs> uh hardened cartilage yep not a, good a big matchup. alex mack guy big 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 believer in the Browns when they were uh, just scraping by, and uh, yeah, I was it, I was a big Alex Mack guy during the Clinton administration. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, He's his time yeah. has passed, and it, that's okay. But we got to take advantage, so no problem. I love how I'm saying this, and I'm pretty sure I'm older than Alex Mack. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Alex. Um, all right, so do we flip to offense? Yeah, let's flip to offense. Did you know that Aaron Rodgers is a pretty good quarterback? Had no idea. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, you guys, okay. a sublime Aaron Rodgers, especially end of the game, but just, just also, a lot of great so throws the, this week. The Bob Tunyon pass interference? Yeah. Bob, Bob up the seam. Have you guys like watched the all 22 of that throw? No, I haven't. I haven't actually. It was a stupid throw. Oh, my God. Like It's a, like a miracle throw, and people are forgetting it because it didn't count. But yeah. like it, the, the pass interference was real. This wasn't Aaron throwing at pass interference to create it like he does. This was him throwing to Bob and he put the ball on the freaking money, like frozen rope dead. Oh man, it's beautiful. Go watch the play. Uh, I know um, uh, Dusty Evely has it on his oh, timeline. Okay. Go check that out. This was definitely one of those games where it's like, which throw was Aaron Rodgers best throw? Cause <laughs> there's some candidates. Uh, MVS touchdown. I think. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. But I tell you what, that first throw to Devante was a hell of a thing. The 25 yarder on that last drive. It, that's, I mean, I think that's probably the, the best one we'll remember. MBS tweeted that his touchdown catch was the best throw that Aaron had ever made. And um, th- I don't, there were just so many good ones just dangling them out over fingertips. And this, like the Packers had really a game of inches here where, like, if a guy jumps slightly higher, um, they probably don't win. And if, like, Mason's kick gets um, slightly Blocked. just a hair lower a second later, they don't win. But like Aaron was just like barely missing guys all game long and dropping them exactly where they needed to be. It was absolutely insane. Uh, kind of weird too because he did have some bad misses. Um, you know, it's not like this was a super high completion percentage game, and he airmailed a couple of weird ones. It's just that when he completed them, they were just like perfect. Um, so the the airmail to MVS after Devonte was cheap shotted um, was on MVS. He he like 
tweaked a hammy or something. And he, he did tweak a short. hammy. I, I get that one too because they were out of sorts after not having Devontae there mm-hmm. for a play or two. So that's fine. But he had some. He had a couple of rough ones in the first half too. Just that when he completed them, they were like the best throws ever. It, it's a uh, weird dichotomy. I, I want to put a pin in the Mason Crosby kick because I do want to talk about that. I'm sure we will. But um, actually, no, I want to ask it right now. Okay. What do you? <laughs> what is it? What? Okay, so. On most extra points, you don't get guys free rushing around the edge capable of getting within an absolute fingernail of blocking that football. So what do got what do teams do differently that all of a sudden not only can they get a guy to the is it just effort? Like how is it possible that in the most important kick of the game, suddenly you've got a guy free as can be diving, trying to just basically pick that thing up off the tee? I think um he did time it well. And I think part of it is just it's it's hit it or you know either block it or lose the game to some extent and you just concentrate on getting up. I mean a lot of times on extra points guys just don't care um, and the more important the kick is the more effort you're going to get flying on the edge. Also longer kicks are just easier to block. They they have to go at a lower angle and so you sure. don't have to jump as far when they're more elevated. Right. When you're coming around you actually have to go both sideways and vertically and that takes longer to do. So um, but Jr. Jr. does have a point like the the rusher off the right side was perilously close he was real close he <laughs> he was as close so as I, you can be without getting there i would need to bust out the the stopwatch but i have a feeling that that was a longer snap to kick time than usual probably something to do with having to set up deeper to get more power like snap to kick is usually pretty consistent with mason i think it's like uh it's like point is a point three five seconds or something i like don't know that. Like you even know that it's okay like, because I told you Stefan Fatsis a few oh, yeah, seconds yeah, of panic, seconds of panic put, right I'll put that crap it. in my head and now it's something I pay attention to and so I, I'd have to bust it out but yeah so I'm pretty they, sure the snap to, I should have looked at up? this but I didn't think of it were they close to the shot the uh, shot clock the play clock running down at that point they were out of a timeout uh, so ooh, or spike, that's a good question out of a spike but they had to run everybody on um was that a thing I'll, I'll check later I'm not sure but they didn't have to run everybody on though because they was it not did they not call they the clocked ice it. they didn't they didn't have timeouts but they they clocked they did, it. they they called the ice after everyone was on the field oh i forgot about yeah. the ice you're yeah. right but they they called the ice at the wrong time usually That's what you ice mason gave a little half smirk yeah usually you ice after the kick is on its way they did it early yeah bad job by Kyle Shanahan not Oof. not good at icing or managing the clock oh, i i forgot to put this in the rundown too but uh, he's a genius play caller, but he is a weirdo in a lot of ways. Um, they, they are not a good like sabermetric team in terms of going for it on fourth down and, and stuff like that. Like they do motion and play action, all, all kinds of stuff like that. That's all great. But uh, he is in, in, his clock management is famously bad from you know the Atlanta collapse. So we we all know that one. But um, he, he is. I, I feel like he's got some in-game problems that are cut problems. And one that got me this game was not trusting his running backs. Like. Trey Sermon was the guy they traded up to get in the draft. And I know that everybody's hurt. I know like Mostert's hurt and um, a whole bunch of backups are hurt and Elijah Mitchell's hurt. But like, it's not rocket science to play running back. And they drafted a guy in the third round and they were like afraid to give him the ball. And it's not like he was terrible when they gave him the ball. He was fine. He scored a touchdown. He had a couple big runs. But like, I feel like they changed their whole offense to avoid handing Trey Sermon the ball a bunch of times. And it, it ended up kind of costing them by wasting a bunch of stupid plays on Brandon Ayuk runs up the gut. I also enjoy that they scored a touchdown on like that read option 
and then never went back. Went back to it. Yeah, just did it once. Shani's a weirdo. I think they thought of that as more of a trick play, which is Um, crazy because like it would have worked. The only the only linebacker victimized by a running forty nine er quarterback. And I mean that that run. That run could have gone for 30 yards. Like Absolutely. they were they blocked it to a T. No Packer was anywhere near Trey Lance. <laughs> Brutal. Um no, the, there was one Packer who was near him. It was Eric Stokes until he met, I think it was the left tackle. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a death. Um you know, going back to the coaching, I feel like we're in oddly enough, like a transition phase for coaches, coaches who recognize that going for it more often is the way to go, but they're still not all in on that. And I do think we're just a few years away from having the first coach or two who legitimately is just never going to kick. They're just going to go for it in almost every situation, but we're not there yet. So you get situations like in Matt LaFleur is like this too, you know, in the first half, he has no problem going for it on fourth and one, which I personally think was the right call. Uh, didn't work out and then the 49ers were able to work out of that that bad field position so it ultimately looks bad i guess but uh especially as close as the game was but it still seemed like the right call in the second half you're not seeing those same decisions being made you know it feels like it's a similar situation it's not identical but similar and now we play it a little more safe and part of that i think is just later in the game it's understandable you get a little more conservative but i do think at some point we're going to get a coach that's like that I mean, John Harbaugh the other night with the with the Ravens. The other, you know, was that week one, week two against. Yep. I don't even remember who they were playing, but like, you know what? Let's just end it here. We're, we've got this fourth and one. We can do this. I do think it was the right call. And even though it worked out for them, I still hate kicking a field goal to go up six. Just hate it. Yeah. And, and they, six is a useless lead. And well, it wasn't, though. It, it was not useless because they were able to kick a field goal to win it. And um, yes, if they, make, if they score a touchdown instead of going up six then they're easily going to win the game. But if they don't convert there, then... Yeah, but if, if they don't convert there, then the 49ers have the ball on the two-yard line. I know. I, I understand all the things of it. But, um, you know, it, it's not like it, uh, it... It wasn't a useless lead because it is a lead that was big enough that also, allowed them to kick a field goal instead of scoring a touchdown. Also, I read once that analytics is on the side of a three-point lead over a more than three-point lead. That's right. That is correct. Because it incentivizes bad decisions by the other team. That yeah. is true. Speaking of which, fascinating that Devontae Adams suggested afterwards that not having timeouts benefited them because the 49ers smartly defended the wings. I agree they with that. They were going to go after sidelines. Yep. And so they ate up the middle and were, were fast enough. And credit to the <laughs> Packers offense for like getting down the field. Also, sure. Defend the edge, but like. Devonte Adams didn't have anyone within ten yards. <laughs> but I think that. But why that would is... they? Why would they expect the ball to go there? They need to get out of bounds. Yeah, but you know, you're, but they don't. Aaron Rodgers. That's, that's the thing. They don't need to get out of bounds. They can run up so and the, spike it, which they the had play exactly that, enough time for two plays and two again spikes. a miscalculation yeah. by the San Francisco the, coaching staff. Also, the the play that got them past the fifty is brilliant. Because Paul, what do I always say about offensive design? Run mesh till you can't run mesh. Run mesh till you can't. The play that got them beyond the 50 was mesh 20, 20. yards down the field. It absolutely It's was. amazing. It's amazing. Your line has to hold up for a long time to do it, but that's what exactly what happened. Uh, and just just a gorgeous throw, like one of the best of his career. Um, oh, speaking of, uh, MVS said, and I quote, uh, this is the greatest throw I've ever caught. Okay. Oh. So it's not the great it's not the greatest throw of Aaron Rodgers' career. It's the best throw that MBS has ever been targeted. Got it. Yeah. 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 Oh, and also there were 17 seconds left on the play clock during the final kick. You know, mid pod okay. factor. So not too bad. But I, I, I do think 
that's a very savvy call by Adams to say that not having timeouts help because I think that's absolutely true and it's why he was so open on that last one. They they well, were overplaying the sidelines and didn't realize how the timing would work, uh, which is like which is great. Devontae Adams is not the best wide receiver in the league because of his speed. <laughs> He's a smart, <laughs> smart man. He knows his stuff. Even though he will swear to this day that he is faster than his 40 time. He says that he has, quote, gotten faster. He may be. It's not like he's slow. I, I still think nobody matter. moves he just, like him. He doesn't, need, he doesn't need to be down the field. He yeah. needs to be, like, two yards off of the nearest defender, and he's going to catch it, and he's going to make you miss. It's yep. crazy. I've still never seen a person move the same way as him. It's incredible. I don't even, I don't even know how to Treadmill, baby. Like, Did you see Miles Garrett uh, against Nobody the moves Texans? like him either, but that, that's a but, different kind of moving. There's, there's a uh, thing going around on Twitter today that I, I would dare say was viral. It was a highlight of Miles Garrett against the Texans where he sidesteps so fast that it looks like it skips a frame. Yep. Oh, wow. I saw that going around. It was uh, he, he had a couple similar things against against the Bears, and uh, he, that guy is uh, very, very, very dangerous. Uh, don't want to play like the De- Browns. <laughs> it's like Devontae's on treadmills going side to side, up and down. He's like Crazy. Spider-Man. Andre Risen yeah. should give up his nickname. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, so we've got a lot of questions, so let's get to these last few things on the rundown before we do that. Um, the handshake after the game, <laughs> I really didn't. I think it's a little overblown, personally. I mean, I'd be I'd be pissed if my team just lost that game. I might not be interested in like buddy buddying, but you know, apparently Kyle and Matt hate each other now. 
It might be. Didn't they hug? But usually coaches at least say, hey, good game, blah, blah, blah. You know, usually don't do an icy stare. That's usually not what happens. Even like Belichick usually is like slap on the back and walk away. It it was it was a little weird. It was a little strange. What if what if Shanahan bet the spread and then LaFleur knew he was going to welch? And so he was pre mad. (laughs) Well, (laughs) you know, there's there's a lot of history there and. Um, it, it's not as it, I saw people speculating. Oh, maybe it's because he pursued Rogers, and okay, maybe. But also, I don't think Lafleur necessarily left on the best terms there. He, uh, 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 Shanahan tried to keep people, keep other people more than Lafleur, uh, and uh, I don't even know that he necessarily wanted to leave. You know, sometimes you get better offers and blocked when you. Uh, he didn't leave for the Packers from the 49ers. He left for um, the Titans and. Um, I, I'm not entirely sure that um, Shanahan liked Matt that much, even when he was there. So we'll see. I don't know. Never know. Interesting. Nobody knows anything. But um, no. Um, you wanted to point out some of the other games in the NFC North. The Lions. <clears throat> they were insane. I Poor- mean, the Lions are, are they're cursed. They are cursed. They, I mean, we all know that the Lions are cursed. It's not a surprise. But the we should point out the Lions have been really scrappy so far this year with like no talent at all. And they have played three pretty tough games against pretty good opponents and they should have beat the Ravens. They had the Ravens. I, I mean, they, they win that game 99 times out of a hundred because to beat the Lions, the Ravens had to kick the longest field goal in the history of the league, which bounced on the crossbar and then rolled over <laughs> those poor people. I, I really feel bad for them. Um, My I, wife is a Lions fan. She absolutely had, she, she wasn't watching the game, but um, she thought it had gone final on the ticker. And it said that the, you know, end fourth quarter, the Lions were ahead, but it hadn't updated the score. So she thought they'd won and you know, whatever she fades them in her, in the survivor pool anyway. So there's at least a little, a little emotional hedge there, but wow, well, that's, that's something else. And, and they released Jamie Collins, so like they basically have what is it like fifty five million of dead money? They got dead money for days yep. in addition to not having talent. I mean, they're they're such a disaster. Oh my gosh! And I I I'm I've crossed over. I know they're a conference rival, but like I feel I feel bad for them. I feel they're they're woeful. They're just woeful. They're in a rebuild. They're always, always in a, a rebuild. rebuild. When have they not been in a rebuild? <laughs> Even when uh, they get to the playoffs, it ends in spectacularly awful fashion. Okay, so the the last time the Lions won a playoff game, yeah, nineteen ninety two. I think that's right. Yeah, Wayne Fonts. Yep. Yeah, tough scene. It's not good. Tough scene. <laughs> and then, uh, if yeah. if you haven't seen the condensed bear game, do yourself a favor. <laughs> Why would you watch, watch that? Oh my god! It's uh, well. Let's see. The they had one passing yard. One net passing yard. One net pa- to One be, net. To pass- be clear, could- they had a lot of passing yards. Well, not a lot, but they had. Dozens, <laughs> dozens of passing yards, but literally they dozens. Tens, they had tens of <laughs> yards. yards, but but Justin Fields was sacked nine times in the game, and so gave most of them back. Um, By the way, I want to I want to talk about that for a second. PFF Brad, who is he's a uh, salary cap guy for PFF. Yeah, friend of mine, former I believe he's from Windy City Gridiron. Um, Bears fan. He was talking about how happy he was that that Fields was going to start a few days before the game, like when it was announced that Andy Dalton was hurt. And he said, he said, this is the first time that Fields will start and for every game for the next 17 years or whatever, he's being hyperbolic. Yeah. And I said, yeah, unless he dies on the field against the Browns. And he goes, Shh. <laughs> some Bears fan gets in my mentions and goes, our line isn't as bad as you think. And their pass rush is suspect. <laughs> 
their pa- oh, oh wow okay um <laughs> that's uh well two two wrongs i don't know what it makes there but that's... right a double wrong <laughs> remember kids two wrongs don't make a right but three rights make a left yeah and, and just just the correct analysis of the bears is as follows their offensive line is atrocious it is the worst offensive line in the league and it's not particularly close um, Justin Fields is not good. He, he needs more development time, and I still think you should play him. But he uh, he needs a, a simpler, you know, one read, move the pocket kind of offense to help him out. And Matt Nagy is also just a terrible coach. Um, and he used to be with the Chiefs under Andy Reid. I think he falls into my category of you can't learn from savant. Andy Reid is a play calling savant. And you can't be Andy Reid by being around Andy Reid. You just have to be Andy Reid. Matt Nagy's offense is just trash. Um, and he had, remember Mitch Trubisky's first season, he actually played pretty well. He was actually okay. He looked like he might actually be good. There was a lot of Mitch Trubisky running and rolling out and getting out of the pocket. And then it all went away because Matt Nagy's offense is just trash, caretaker, quarterback, drop back, throw it on time, blah, blah, blah. Like, like like it's 1991 again. Um, he is awful. He's a terrible fit for what he has, and he should be fired right now. Um, they they should literally fire Matt Nagy right now. He clearly doesn't know what he's doing with the the quarterbacks he has. So and the Bears are just screwed. They they need to start this thing over again. And the Vikings uh, had they won, but it's the Viking game that tricks you into thinking thinking they're good and Kirk Cousins is good, which is not true. So it's a uh, it's good to have those. It's fine. Keep some keep some hopeful. Now, Are you uh, saying it's better when we crush their hopes? Kinda, but it's also like one one of these teams has to play halfway decently, and, and you know maybe Kirk Cousins will. No, he won't. He won't stick around. Never mind. Um, it's good if they have hope too, because it gets better. Paul Allen calls like the the more they stay in it, the more he like does his his yelling thing, and that's also a good thing to have. Speaking of more points, ninety nine. <laughs> um, couple injuries: Chris Barnes, Tyler Lancaster, concussions. You know, we talked about Jack Haflin, so that would be the obvious uh, next man up in Lancaster's stead. That might have been where the you know where this heads anyway. Uh, Chris Barnes, that's a little bit, that's a little tougher. I don't know. Uh, Chris Barnes is 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 an NFL linebacker, and Ty <laughs> Summers true. is not. Boy, is Ty Summers well, bad. I mean, if the play is in front of him, he can tackle. That's no, that's he can't. We well, he, Ty he Summers made, he made I, a few tackles. I would label the Ty Summers' biggest problem is actually. That if there is a, somebody in front of him, he has big trouble tackling them. He actually is pretty good at running. Well, he made a few. He had, he had a few, but he also he gets dragged and he has trouble wrapping up. Um, he's he, fast. Well, of course, he has trouble wrapping up. His arms are so <laughs> short. He has he has tiny arms. He, that is also he's like true. like the grandpa in King of the Hill, but instead of his legs, it's his arms. Yeah, I, I was gonna go with baby legs and Rick and Morty, but with his arms. There you go. If not thing. Summers, though, who? I mean, or. Oren Burks is already on the field for a lot of the. Yeah, Oren Burks is Oren Burks is really only in like uh, long okay. passing downs. Yeah, you can do exotic. you can just do Burks and and Campbell, and that's that's plenty. You don't need okay. anybody else. Yeah, they okay. should find somebody to replace Summers. I think you should. He should be your waiver wire fodder guy that gets replaced at some point. Summers, he tries so hard. He does. He's probably a good clubhouse he, he... guy. Don't care. <laughs> <laughs> um. Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh's got all kinds of injuries. We talked about that at the outset. Dude, do we even do we even have to talk about Pittsburgh? I mean, if the Packers if the Packers don't blow out Pittsburgh, I'm calling the season. Well, I, I no, mean, th- come on. Th- th- so Pittsburgh has a lot of injuries, and their quarterback has no arm. But 
it's not like they're completely untalented. They have a few good players still on the team. He, he targeted his running back 14 times. He sure did. I would have I would have picked Pittsburgh until I saw them get until I saw that game. This game against Cincinnati is an absolute disaster for them. So yeah, but I wouldn't have thought that prior to that game that they're that they're in that dire of shape. Holy smokes! Is are any of these guys on this list? Are they going to play? Like any of them? Juju Smith-Schuster, Giante Johnson. So it's still kind of up in the air for most of them. And I think Juju Smith-Schuster, I think he will play. He has a rib injury. I think that's just pain tolerance. Deontay Johnson, I think, has a knee, if memory serves. That's more questionable. And Watt and Highsmith both have groins. Uh, groins take a long time. If they play, I'll be surprised. Um, and then I forget, I, I wrote two offensive linemen. I forgot to look up who they were. Another center is hurt and a tackle is hurt. And um, with varying degrees of severity, but uh, it, they're they're not going to be fully loaded here, and they had they did not have healthy receivers last game. They're not going to have healthy receivers this game. So, if if Watt doesn't play and Highsmith doesn't play, then there's really only one defender to even worry about. Yeah, that's more or less the case. That's right. Mm-hmm. Maybe they'll move Derek Watt to linebacker for this game. They should finally Dude, an awesome right the linebacker. wrong that was done so long ago. <laughs> Yeah, um, awesome linebacker in high school, committed to Northwestern as a linebacker. Yeah. I wonder if he would have been teammate. Was Ty Summers Northwestern or is he BYU? He's BYU. It's Dean Lowry. He's Northwestern. Never mind. Um, so in two years, is Aaron Rodgers Ben Roethlisberger? Well, the, the, I, Ben's, I, I mechanics, Ben's mechanics have gotten super lazy, which Rodgers has always had lazy mechanics and can still just chuck it. Whereas Ben like needs to set his feet and put it into every throw. Otherwise, you get this like weird, like limp-wristed... So I bring this up on Twitter all the time because um, I am, I think, the king of quarterbacks don't age well. And uh, they, they go off cliffs really fast. And I think it's really hard to predict. But like I, I, today, I was just looking this up. Aaron Rodgers has been sacked on a higher percentage of his dropbacks than Ben Roethlisberger, who is sacked hmm. a lot. Uh, now, Ben yeah, also but, shakes some of those off. And Yeah, I was going to say, like if you, if you look at hits versus dropbacks, I would bet you Ben takes more. Possibly, though Aaron has taken quite a few. He's led the league in sacks, and he, you know, he always waits to throw the ball forever. It's not like he doesn't take hits, and there just aren't a lot of quarterbacks who have played over the age of like thirty-six over the last like two decades. It it, it gets dicey there, and over thirty-nine, it's like nobody. There's only six quarterbacks who have started at the age of forty or older over the last twenty-five years. And it's like not even guys recently. People right. keep, people keep yelling at me like, "Oh, it's now commonplace for quarterbacks to play into their 40s." Like, no, it's, it's not. Tom There's Brady. two of them. There's Brady and Breeze that did it. Nobody else yeah. has done it for like Favre went to 41. Warren Moon, he was in his 40s when he retired. Uh, but, but he played. He played one game for the Chiefs, I think. <laughs> but like, the, the, I I only counted guys who had at least 200 um, dropbacks after their 40th birthday. So Moon at least did that, but it's not common at all. Everybody, everybody dies when they turn forty. And Rogers isn't forty; he's thir- this is his age thirty-eight season. He will turn thirty-eight in December. If you want to count him as thirty-seven, I don't care. But um, keep an eye on his rushing, rushing uh, both yards total and yards per carry tends to be a harbinger of your quarterback getting old and, and starting that decline. And Rogers is starting to see that a little bit. So it's something it's something to watch out for with him. Uh, I, I still think I I think he will probably age better than the average because he's also hard to comp. Like most of the guys who have survived as long as he has are actually 
like kind of statuesque pocket passers, not mobile guys. The mobile guys tend to run themselves into trouble and take hits. And so there's not a good comp out there for him. Um, like you have to go back to like Rich Gannon and Steve Young, who were, you know, Steve Young retired, still very good. He could have still played. And Rich Gannon was, I mean, right, a, a different Steve, Steve Young retired because his brain was tapioca. Yeah, he, he did. But he was still, even though his brain was tapioca, <laughs> he was still good at playing football. Uh, Rich Gannon, he was pretty old, wasn't he? He was... He, he he made it to his forties, his early forties, okay. and then retired. Yeah. I think. Maybe he might only so, anyway, anyway, Jerry not- Rice, Jerry Rice currently holds the NFL record for most receptions over the age of forty. Um, yeah, by a lot. Previous, do you know who's in second place? Uh, I do not. Tom Brady. <laughs> That's awesome. Do you know no who's way. in third? Do you know who's in third place? Uh, nope. Brett Favre. Brett Favre. Okay. <laughs> Brett Favre is in third place with one. Tom Brady is in. Right. Second with, I believe, two so or three. We got, we got to get the questions because we're running late, but I do want to quickly do the Devin and Romer should do part of the show. So, um, <laughs> because Aaron Rodgers caught a pass this week, uh, it gained him negative four yards, which means that he is now tied for 10th in lowest career receiving yards in NFL history with negative 11. Um, he is tied with Eric Flowers, who did it in 2015. Um, but some guy named Jamie Caleb is the all-time leader in the stat with negative 26. He played in 19, from 1960 to 1965. It was a halfback fullback. So I don't know what to make of that. I went, I, you know, there's no game stats from then. But everybody else is a quarterback. So the, the real leader is Troy Aikman, who has a career negative 19 receiving yards. And there's a lot of, uh, a lot of Packers on here. Blaine Gabbert's third with negative 16. Uh, Tim Not Couch. Packer. Tim Couch, negative 13. Oh, sorry. Okay. I, I, I get him mixed up. So with, anyway. Tim, with Tim Blair Couch, Keel? Yeah. I, you I think I was Blair Keel? <laughs> Tim Couch, negative 13. Um, our, our friend Ben Roethlisberger is one negative yard ahead of Aaron Rodgers with negative 12. Um, and Brett's actually way down at 30. Brett Farr finished with negative 7. So it's a, it's a fun list of quarterbacks who caught their own passes and just got destroyed. Um, my favorite is Drew Bledsoe has negative 9 because that guy couldn't move at all. And I don't even know how he got backwards fast enough to get negative nine. Um, so anyway, good time. It, all right. To get the all-time lead, he needs negative 15 more. I think he can do it. We have a lot of questions, so let's do this. Yeah. We'll start with our Patreon questions. Of course, uh, if you are a patron, you get question priority, and we got a lot of these guys today. PJ Vessels, is the offense back to being good? Does this bode well for a game against a team that the Bengals just beat? And what? And And was this final drive better than the one against Dallas? I mean, Are we talking about the, the playoff game against Dallas? Yeah, definitely. Uh, He's talking about the Jared Cook play, right? Oh, Absolutely really? Because I, I was imagining the 2017 play that I'm referencing at the top with the LMAO. They're they're cheering with 113 left. They had timeouts left, oh. but 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 they had to score the touchdown on that drive. So that's a tougher tougher finish. That's true. I, I do think the offense is is back to good as long as they as long as they have Rodgers and Adams. I think they're back to good. They they they're fine. They're clicking. They're going to be hard to stop, um, and yeah, it bodes well against the Steelers, who are <laughs> who are in rough shape. <laughs> but uh, I don't think that you can make this the case. This is better than a playoff game. It was, you know, it was very similar to I think the Cook drive, especially, and um, the stakes make that one better, in my opinion. I don't know. Oh yeah, for sure. Is that a longer field goal too? I don't remember exactly how many yards uh, in the playoff game. Crosby's Crosby's winner. I think it's like fifty-four. Crosby's Crosby's winner in the playoffs was longer than this. This was like forty-seven. This was 51. well. This was fifty-one, but was I still think Crosby was longer. Yeah. Okay. Well, Crosby also kicked a fifty-four yarder earlier in this game. 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he was. In, in tough conditions, swirling wind, man. He was money. All right, Luke Zimmerman says, Bajorquez looks good at puncher so far through three games. The caveat that we're in warm weather, the warm weather portion of the schedule, having the left-footed punting also adds a little wrinkle. Uh, have the Packers found a long-term punter? What's his contract situation? He kicked like? in Buffalo. Yeah. What the hell? Well, yeah, okay. <laughs> I, I think the major point is it, it does hurt your punting yardage when it gets colder. It, it's just a physics thing. So um, he, he is booming them now, but maybe he will not boom them as much when it's cold. It's it's possible, um, but I, I agree with you. He he has cold weather experience. I think I think he is legit good and will continue to be good. I, I think he is... Uh, I think he's a keeper. I think they got a good one here. And he's, he kind of had a rough start against the Saints, like a lot of the Packers did. And um, he was like 24th in net punting yardage after that. He's up to 12th now. And he he boomed the heck out of a lot of them in this game. Wait, so he's he's up to 12th cumulative? Uh, yeah. So that must mean that he like ruled ass the last two games. That is correct. Nice. He's on a one-year deal where he's making a million bucks or something. But like, it's also important to remember he's 25 years old. Like, hey, you know who else is twenty five years old? Yes, Kenny, Kenny Clark. Clark. <laughs> yeah, uh, this guy. Yeah, he could be here for a long time. There's no reason to think he wouldn't be. I mean, they'll they'll bring him back. Like, if he's awesome like this, they'll bring him. Why wouldn't they? Unless he unless he makes bank somewhere else. Yeah, and they should bring him back because I'm sick of having bad punters, and I like him. So do it now. Yeah, sure. Don't make the mistake of going back to the well again. Yep, for sure. Jason Albert says, was kicking the field goal to go up six the correct decision? The Baldwin bot says it was, but it sure doesn't feel right. Being up six never feels good. It's mostly about my feelings. We did talk about that earlier. Yeah. Matub does not like that kick. I don't like that kick either. I will always complain about going up six. And I Wait, the Baldwin bot said to kick it? It did. The Baldwin bot said to kick it. it even, That's wrong. Even Ben was not happy with the Baldwin bot for saying that they should kick it. Um, but, I, I mean, it's, one of, it's a tricky one because... It is better to be up six than three, you know. It, but I, I, I have always felt that the way to quantify this in your head is, if you go up from three to six, what you've done is essentially add thirty-five yards to how far the other team has to go, um, and that's it. And that's not that much. So um, it's a. Uh, I, I hate. I'm. I'm against the ball and bot. I hate going up six. Always go for it unless it's very long. So yeah. All right, yeah, Alex Slamers. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, I don't think the Baldwin bot accounts for the uh, change in what's the term? The change in aggressiveness well, that's associated with maybe not, the six point lead. The Baldwin bot's just math. And it, I feel like math should tell you not to do it. I'm surprised it tells you to do it. You know? Well, yeah. you know what they say lies, damn lies, and, and statistics. statistics. Yeah. All right. Alex Lamers says, overall, I'm happy with the win, but one non officiating thing bugged me. With just under eight minutes in the game, the Packers had a three-point lead, took three deep shots, all incomplete, only took 30 seconds off the clock. Obviously, everything worked out, but this seemed bad decision-making. What do you think What do you think was driving that more, LaFleur or Rodgers, and do you see it being a problem in future close games? I did wasn't hear that, wasn't people the talking Devante? about this drive. Wasn't that the Devontae drive? Um, Was it? I feel like that was the Devontae drive, where first down was the Devontae hit, second down was MVS pulling up. I thought they had another one in there, but maybe they didn't. It, regardless of it, um, I don't think with that much time left, you can play as if you're going to run out the clock. And I'm, no. I think you should still be doing normal play calling, whatever that is, at that point in time. Um, it, teams make the mistake too often of thinking they can run out the clock when there's still too much time left to run out the clock. You can only, you can really only do it like under the two-minute warning most of the time unless you're just dominating on the ground. So 
I don't have a problem with it. I and um, like I, I'm I'm happy they're still being aggressive. You try to end the game with points at that point, not with time management, and that's totally fine. I have no problem with it at all. Yeah, like like perfectly executing an eight minute drive at the end of the at the end of the game when it's very obvious that you're trying to milk the clock. If you don't have like a running back who can perfectly get you four yards a carry, in fact, <laughs> like you're I, not good. So I pulled it up, and um, it was the Devonte drive when they when they tried all the deep shots. But they had another Call drive. It. They had another drive after that where they ran the ball. Um, <laughs> they ran the ball three times, tried to pass, and then kicked a 38 yard field goal. So they they did do time wasting and kicked a field goal uh, on fourth and four, and that. Um, you know, that's I have more problem with that. Like, try to pick up first downs and, and end it with points, and that's a better way to go about it. I did hear this discussed though, because Aaron Jones has been—he wasn't super effective for most of the game, but seemed it seemed like picked up speed as he went along. Maybe they softened up the defense a little bit. He had a really good run there late, and there was some chatter about like, well, again, they get the run going and then they go away from it. And I still think that comes back to last last conversation you just have to be three moves ahead and sometimes that means doing not necessarily what just got you here but uh you know i I just think these are going to happen i mean passing is what is their bread and butter still as much as as much as aaron jones is good passing is still option a and they're going to choose it a lot of the time yeah mike mccarthy McCarthy runs to end games and it doesn't work out a lot of the time don't do that don't do what mike does he's got an all-world running back too right now (laughs) Uh, Jay Google says, what were your thoughts on the defensive line play? It seems like it was a 180 performance from the Detroit game. They got pressure on Jimmy G pretty consistently. It was good. They they did a nice job using Kenny Clark more creatively, moving him around that line a little bit. Um, actually helped to free up Dean Lowry a couple times, which is... QB hurry from Dean Lowry. Yeah, it's been a while, Dean. It, it really has. So um, I, I like the creativity. I mean, let's give Joe Barry credit where it's due. Um, I think that the the d- defensive line even though it's still a little undersized was was a lot better here because of some strategic things he did which i think i said on last week's podcast you can't strategic up the defensive line well i would apparently you can so k- kudos there um <laughs> scott hartle asks do the packers play approach defense differently with stokes and for king for example allowing far allowing for more single high or blitzing the results look to be night and day also did shanahan somehow sneak kevin king back into the packers lineup at halftime <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, I think you get more, you are able to be more creative when Stokes can actually cover his man. You don't have to devote safety help every time. You can take more chances with sending extra men. Um, so yes, absolutely. Having two corners helps out everything else. It gives you much more flexibility. And, um, I, I, I think halftime was still just really more lucky than anything else. They, Shanahan did a good job coming out of the, the halftime with, with what he's good at, which is designing plays up out of halftime. They had a touchdown right out of the half that was great. A- after that, they only scored on that, that uh, barn burner two-minute drill at the end, and otherwise they were still pretty good. So um, I think that they were actually more solid than we maybe remember because of the last-minute touchdown. I don't know. Matt, any disagreement? Sure. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Matt. Uh, okay, Jonathan Deal <laughs> asks, Packers were supposed to have a disadvantage in the trenches. Rookies and second-year O-linemen on the road against a bunch of talented first-rounders maligned nobodies, minus Clark, against a veteran O-line. How did they manage to basically dominate the trench warfare? Comes back well, to Josh Nyman. The 49ers no longer have uh, DeForest Buckner. That's a lot of... And, and that's, that's 
or any pass rush. Like how many how many G dang times do I have to start talking about interior defensive linemen? <laughs> I just I just don't know. Yes, yes, you're the uh, the Derek the Derek Wolf situation. But uh, but right, yeah, like which Nick by Wolf. the way, I, I I should do a caveat. I cannot stand Derek Wolf the person, but he's oh, okay. a phenomenal. He was a phenomenal defensive tackle. Okay, <laughs> I do think people see Bosa and then. Um, kind of their brain shuts off and it's like, oh yeah, it's Bosa and those good people, but that's not really how the 49ers are right now. They're, um, they, they have their own problems on defense. And also, what we forget is the Packers are still phenomenal at coaching up offensive lines and do a nice job picking good prospects, high high athletic um, prospects on, on the line. Like, Yosh Nyman, we were all very concerned coming into this game, is like a 10 Raz guy. And, you know, the hope with them the whole time is that they can coach him up technique-wise to to meet what his athletic potential. And, you know, he started bad in this game, but uh, he also hit some really, really nice play down the stretch. So I think th- that's, how, that's how they do it. They're good on the O-line, and the 49ers are a little overrated on how good their rush actually is. I don't feel like this team really is all that bad at cutting bait on guys who just simply don't work uh, draft picks or otherwise. You know, there's obviously some exceptions, but um, uh, like going back to Kamal Martin, even like recent example of a guy who could probably contribute, but like it wasn't happening. So be gone with you. They've stuck with Yash Nyman now and a guy that they had no draft capital tied up and they could easily have cut bait. But they've they've been telling us we really like him. He can be a left tackle. And, uh, you know, he, he got a chance to show it. Turns out turns out they were they were probably right. I mean, he looked he looked good. All right, Steve Garshinsky asks, does nepotism work? <laughs> this is it depends. A Joe Barry question. I, I have a real answer to this, which is... Um, <laughs> he's, he's just kidding, I'm sure. Uh, he is definitely kidding, but... So nepotism, what it does is it gives undeserving people more opportunities than they normally would get to learn and get better. And so nepotism actually does kind of work a lot of the time. It, it I mean, it's not like... You can just be some guy's kid forever in a business. Eventually, you have to learn how to, you know, not cost the company millions of dollars. Aren't you a lawyer? Yeah, I am. Why? Isn't that like the most nepotistic? Is that a word? Nepotistic profession? Uh, it's very nepotistic. Yeah. I'm. By the way, the only lawyers in my family are my brother and I, and he's not one anymore. So we uh, don't have any connections there. Uh, but- Paul's brother, also a, a patron. Shout uh, out to is, Danny Noonan. Yes. It owns owns a CrossFit gym. So uh, the problem with nepotism is that it puts undeserved people in positions to succeed. Sometimes they do. But the problem with it is that people who should have on merit been granted the opportunity are denied it. So here's the thing. Joe Barry is a better defensive coordinator than he otherwise would be having failed at defensive coordinator twice. Somebody else who is more talented in the same situation would probably be a better defensive coordinator than he is. Um, and so, yeah, it kind of works from the perspective of the guy who got to fail twice, and now maybe will be a little bit better. But, you know, it's, it's, it's been, it's not, uh, season's got a long way to go. So maybe he'll still suck. I love how you had a real answer to that question. Um, <laughs> you know what they say, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, you won't get fooled again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, the thing... It just it just was a situation that called we've been over this. It called for something different. You know, it called for something new that wasn't establishment that was a little outside the box. There were some exciting young candidates that probably are due a turn. And it felt like this was a good opportunity to to get to get to get that chance. A lot of guys coming back. So you've got experience and they just went with kind of a run of the mill hire. And and 
that's where you know you think nepotism might have possibly gotten in the way i'm sure they'll tell you that's not the case that everybody was vetted that this guy you know is it was the right right person for the job or whatever it just just felt like if you get that exciting younger more outside the box approach in and it maybe maybe it doesn't work out right away maybe it takes longer than it took joe barry i don't know but ultimately you'd like to think you'd be better off for it you know it's not it's not even like about the first few games it's about you know it's about the first few seasons in, in theory so also something to think about there. Quentin Wetzel says, at what point do we start cheering for the Bears just so they keep Nagy around? Immediately. <laughs> well, as long as they're not a threat in the standings, you can only cheer so much. You don't want them to, like, be a problem. But, uh, but yeah, I guess if they're far enough away. The problem is once you realize that you should start cheering for the opposing coach is when the other team starts to realize they need to fire the opposing coach. And yeah, I think they're just about there. So, yeah. Do you think Matt Nagy survives the entirety of the season? So the Bears have never fired a coach midseason. It's never right. happened in their history. Um, so my guess would be no. But if you're going to break precedent, this is a good time to do it. He's very bad. I'll bet yeah, no, you all... the Bears, I'll, I'll bet they don't because they're the Bears. But man. Well, with only 17 games, you know, there comes a break break point midway through the year where it doesn't matter and it looks it looks bad. So what's the point? You can't go to the playoffs anyway if, you know, you're you're one in seven to start the season. You all you have to do it now. Really, you have to yeah. be like, OK, our, our season is over if we don't make a move this second. And no team is going to cut bait after four games. It's just not happening. So yeah. it's hard in the NFL to make that work. Uh, Rusty, Rusty Weiss asks tongue in cheek, all these old linemen to try to keep, should we trade one or two for some return? <laughs> they do, hey, they do if, look like they have to oh man. What if they traded Bakhtiari? <laughs> <laughs> they would be exorciated, but it would be brilliant. Um, uh, <laughs> so I love it because I love trading from positions of strength to fill positions of weakness, but, uh, and I know this, this is t- tongue in cheek, but the NFL just doesn't have a good, robust trade market for this kind of thing. Ninety-nine percent of the time, um, un- unfortunately. So, uh, and it, you need depth at the offensive line, as we are seeing right now with the Packers. They're they're missing Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins, and not missing a beat, and that helps a lot. So, um, it's better to trade from strength at a position that's completely meaningless. Like if they had like like honestly, they they should probably trade a running back. But I I will always say that about my team, no matter how who the running backs are. Um, that's the way to do it. But yeah, linemen are good to have. They're really helpful. What are you going to get yeah. back that's better, honestly? So so you, we there was a recent blockbuster offensive line trade in the NFL. Okay. Uh, and Which is, what is that? Uh, the Dolphins traded Laramie Tunsil to the, the Texans. Okay, okay. This is a fair point. This is a good point. Um, uh, okay, so the Texans sent... Uh, they sent two first round picks, a second round pick, and a couple players to get Tunsil, Kenny Stills, and a fourth. Yep. Would you trade? You don't would you have trade Bob David Bakhtiari anymore? Though that's the problem. Yeah, but would you trade David Bakhtiari for two firsts, a fourth, and then two players of need? Would I? Sure. Yes. Yeah. But nobody else would. <laughs> <laughs> but I, my my favorite reaction to that from the Dolphins fans was. Why would you trade a young and up-and-coming left tackle for draft capital? It's like the Family Guy mystery box scene. Like <laughs> mystery box could even be a boat. It's like we already had a left tackle. We wanted a left tackle. Um, uh, David asks, "Is Kevin Kevin in the slot still going to be a thing that happens?" 
God, I hope not. <laughs> I loved Paul's response to this on Twitter as he uh, quoted Jenny from the Block. I believe was the, uh, I did. the parody lyrics. Oh, I can't remember what I wrote. Oh shoot! Uh, don't be fooled by this game, or don't be what by chance. It doesn't matter. Well, whatever. Kevin's still in the slot. Is the point of yes. that? Kevin he's King still he's still the... Kenny Kevin in the slot. Alas, Alas. that's probably going to happen. Kevin in slot. No, no, it fits. It doesn't if work in a league where there is a team called the Jets. There's so many other opportunities that you can go with if you're gonna burn, if you're gonna burn that song. Uh we've got Discord questions today. Yes. First one's uh, for you. Oh, the first one's for me. From now on, can we refer to John Runyon Jr. as JR Jr.? Um so fun fact, I'm actually the fourth. Uh when people say <laughs> Wow. When 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 uh so so JR the fifth is on the table. Um when we Frequently, I'll have people like if I'm waiting for an order or something, people be like Junior, you know, because it's so hard to see two letters next to each other right. and assume that, that. But it's fine, it's fine. I don't get mad about this. But like, uh, I'm actually James Patrick Radcliffe the fourth. Um, extremely regal, extremely regal. I'm basically a prince. Do you hang and out at, uh, hang out at country clubs with Don Barclay. Um, Donald Wayne Barclay the third. Oh, the the third. I thought he was a fourth too. Um, I'm I'm fine with John Runyon Jr. being uh, Junior Junior Jr. Jr. However we want to call it, uh, Jr. Jr. Uh, his his dad would probably take some exception to to me co-opting him. His dad also an NFL lineman, so I don't know. But speaking uh, of people with double names, did you know DJ Khaled's first name is Khaled? Nope, no, I had no idea. His, his legal name is Khaled Khaled. <laughs> All right. Up there with Duaney Duaney. These things happen. Uh, John, uh, John Ramos, John Ramos meeting. Is that the, uh, yeah, John Ramos. It's probably magic. The gathering. Uh, Oh, oh Discord is its own world. Shit. MTG. Right. So it's probably magic. Yeah. Got it. I think you're right. John Ramos asks, can we pay or give Adams whatever he wants? <laughs> the answer is yeah, but he ain't going to take it right now. Yep. They should make every effort to bring him back, but it's going to be really hard to do it. The thing is, he probably, the way he plays, he will thrive without Aaron Rodgers. I mean, he, he's not going to get those beautiful down the middle, right over the outstretched defender all the time. But, like, you give him the ball two yards off the line of scrimmage and let him cook, yep, right? He gets open. You know, you you say that, but, but people said very similar things about Greg Jennings. And Daily Norseman wrote a phenomenal article back in the day called Greg Jennings is Always Open. I highly recommend everyone go to Google and Google Daily Norseman. Greg Jennings is always open. And they did a film study. Greg Jennings was not getting targeted at all. And he had two yards of separation on every route. (laughs) So QB does matter to a point. To a point. Okay. Yes. Devante will help anybody. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, Local Pab says, are the bears going to ruin Justin Fields? We can hope. Looks like probably. Oh, come on. I I mean, it's not like I'm hoping. I'm hoping for a Sam Darnold situation, right? Like, oh, right, right, right. He gets traded and starts to rebound. Of yeah. course, I'm I'm there for that. I, nothing against Justin Fields. I want. I mean, he's he's Ohio State and Chicago Bear. I, it's not like I'm like rooting for the guy on any level, but eh, <laughs> I, I don't want. I don't. I don't wish him ill. I, he's I a. Thought he was he's good. A, so I. I would yeah. Like him. I mean, I don't want him to be good for the Bears because I don't like the Bears. But like, he might be good. You can't get sacked nine times and show anything. No, you can't. Well, well just ask David Carr. Yep. <laughs> Bad comp to have. That is yeah. You don't want that like David right Carr now. comp. You don't want that David Carr comp. That's that's tough. Uh, see Hupler. Here's a question. Thinking about the headshot to Adams last night. Reading 
uh, piece online had me wondering what you think the bigger deterrent to the player is ejection or fine. If you get ejected, you are also likely to be fine, but the reverse will not happen. Uh, that's, that's true. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, so we've seen that about targeting. We have seen what it looks like in, in another version in college where they review targeting plays there. They do not gauge intent. If you do anything, the least bit lethal with that helmet, you're going to get kicked out of the game and you're going to kick, get kicked out of the next quarter, next half of play as well, whether that be the rest of that day or the next day. So uh, that seems like it's a little severe. You know, you get cases of guys who just simply can't do anything about it and they wind up getting ejected. So I, I hear what I like. I, I think the intent here is to ask what more can be done to prevent that stuff from happening. I, I just don't know. It's a, it's, it's tricky. Part of the problem. Is so the most of them are in the moment. I mean, you, you, the actual like targeting with malice is pretty rare, and um, every a lot of the targeting they haven't just like guys are already accelerated fast and people fall wrong and um, it just happens and you can't deter that. It's it's in, it's undeterrable. It's not something that's in anybody's control. So um, that's that's a big problem. But I do think ejection is more of a deterrent um, than fining is. I think most of the time guys don't care that much about fines. But uh, it's a—I mean, it's just a problem endemic to football that you're not going to be able to really fix. Yeah. What were you saying, Matub? I have already forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> because you took a hit to the head, potentially. Uh, oh, one thing I did want to mention: Peyton Manning got in a lot of trouble a few years back for te- telling how to beat the concussion test. Uh oh. Um, and I think that that is related to why Devonte was back out on the field so quickly. <laughs> but if he had, if if his bell was really rung, they would have not sent him out to the post game podium. I mean, I don't know. The Packers maybe can he, do anything. He lost consciousness, man. I don't think that's true. There's no evidence of that. His body did go limp. I agree with you there. But they show <laughs> his up close look of his face. His eyes are wide open. You can see him trying to catch his breath. He got hit in the chest, and he's trying to catch his breath. And I, I think. I think the tape kind of bears that out. Like they would Ooh. not have sent him to the podium if he lost consciousness. There's no I remember, way. I, I well, they sent Aaron Rodgers out high on painkillers. Money. <laughs> like they don't send anyone true. to the podium. <laughs> D- yeah, I'm gonna I mean, Pruder film this this week. It it needs close analysis. So, uh, though I remember the thing I was going to mention. I think it was the XFL experimented with an angel ref. Uh, Might have been the A11FL. With but what? some minor league, some minor league football team. Yeah. had a had an angel ref that was like a ref in the booth who could retroactively throw flags. And this would be a perfect time to have that. Like yeah. someone in New York watches that play and goes, get Jimmy Ward off the G dang field right this moment. Sure. It's probably not a bad idea. And it didn't it didn't disrupt the flow of the game. Like it's just, you know, an extra ref to throw flags. All right. That's the Packers swear there. up and down that they had you know, they had a concussion expert on on hand, a San Francisco concussion expert. They swear. And obviously, like, you know, I, I, you can't, I don't know how much you can trust the establishment on this, but <laughs> I just, like, I, them sending him to the podium would have been like Ryan Braun 2012 press conference level of hubris. That's true. To try and get away with that and hope that he doesn't, like, pass out, say something completely <laughs> bananas. That makes you think this. There's no way this guy isn't completely concussed right now. I don't know. I, it, it sure it seemed weird in the moment. Sure did. Like, no way he's healthy enough to do this. And even if he is, they should absolutely take the precaution to like hold him out. 
the fact that they didn't is probably the reason they win this game. You know, like I don't know if they win if Devontae Adams doesn't come back. So, uh, so I don't know, man. It's it's all around. Always a tough. It's always tough. It's a tough situation. That it is. All right, and with that, we are we are done. So, before we go, Jr. Any anything good at the at the JS? Well, I did I did go to the Badger game in, in uh, Chicago, Soldier Field. I've been in Soldier Field for the first time. Now I had never I had actually never previously been inside, uh, and now I have, and it was bad, so so bad. Um, but we did do the live blog. We're gonna try it again this week this weekend, Saturday. The, the Badgers play Michigan, so I'll be there doing our live blog. You know, the Badgers for favored me. in this game by one and a half points for inexplicably favored. Yeah, um, actually, I think that's actually a fine line. They're they might win. I, I think they could win, but like it's it's bad right now. So uh, even if it's bad, follow along anyway. Uh, have a couple stories I mentioned at the outset. The the viral the the recreation of that twenty seventeen meme, uh, very funny. The kids I talked to were really cool. I say kids, they're like nineteen and twenty, but um, one guy those like, are children. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The the one guy is like he he goes to school and he was trying to take a test on his phone. And he couldn't even finish the test because all the notifications started pouring in and like shut down his phone. Um, he was recognized leaving the stadium. Like that's how quickly that <laughs> shit catches on. He Is this the, took... the redhead or the guy with the mustache? No, the guy with the mustache guy. He's from Stockton, California. I, I don't know how often he's even left California. Like he's never been to Lambo, never had a chance to see the Packers before. And he was having people ask to take his picture leaving the stadium. Um, so funny. So cool. And, and he had, you know, just bought tickets like 1 a.m. that morning. He just scratched up enough money to do it. So uh, kind of a cool, cool story. And the, the redhead kid was great, too. The 19-year-old, also very funny. Um, I love that this meme has has inspired a generation. <laughs> so the, the redhead kid, his name is Norm. Yeah, Norman. Yep. And he actually follows me on Twitter. Oh, how about that? It's all full circle. Always, wow. always great. Did you um, guys know that the Packers director of football analytics follows me? <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Very important. Uh, also, a, a fun story I just did on a, a UWM women's soccer player, uh, Yelena Siever is her name. She uh, took the opening kickoff against Youngstown State on Sunday, Sunday of the day that everything was going right, Bruce Clinch, Packers win, etc. Uh, and she scored off the opening kickoff. She just blasted it over the goalie and in 3.2 seconds. That is an NCAA record. Nice. Uh, so I wrote a story about that. And, uh, you know, her you know, her new, her newfound, like, celebrity, because that certainly went viral on ESPN and whatnot. And a uh, very good team, actually, the UWM women's soccer team. They're a very, very dominant program. But uh, this was kind of a fun moment, fun, fun little video clip. And uh, wrote wrote that today. Posted that at jsonline.com. Cool, Matt. Anything? Anything with you? Uh, updates for any of the listeners that are part of Mateb's book club. Uh, a book I just finished is "Tiger Meet My Sister" by Rick Riley. Um, it's essentially just a collection of his articles from from I believe ESPN. Um, it's about like fifty percent Boomer yells at Cloud, and then the other fifty percent is is pretty phenomenal. Right. Um, so it's worth kind of wading through for that. There's a lot in there about football specifically. He spends a lot of time with the Mannings and it, it it's a good primer for if you watch the Monday night games, like to learn that Peyton and Eli have been like goofing on each other in public and in front of reporters for years and years. Cool. Um, the very first chapter is uh, a hate letter to Lance Armstrong. <laughs> wow. Well, that sounds cool. Uh, and then this, the second chapter is like how much Michael Jordan sucks. And then it, it, but after that, it's pretty downhill. But yeah. All right. Check it, check it out. Interesting. 
if I recall, he kind of his, his columns didn't really age well. I, I a lot of his columns did not age well. There's there's many columns in that he even put. In, so this book was released in 2014. There were book, there were columns in there that did not age well in 2014. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's too bad. I like that style. Very difficult. I've I always admired not necessarily his specific writing, but just the concept of having to write kind of a miniature column every week and trying to be mm -hmm. current and trying to be interesting and funny and yep. having a perspective. It's hard to do. I've read multiple Rick Riley books. Um, he has a uh, memoir of him caddying called Who's Your Caddy, uh, where he caddies for every type of golfer he possibly can. Even if you're not a fan of golf, that's a great book. Then he wrote a novel based on characters that he like met in real life uh, called uh, Missing Links. And it's about it's about a guy who owns a crappy golf course. Um, and I feel like I've read another Rick Riley book. But yeah, I, I like his writing style. But this this is a lot of like boomer yells at clouds. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, I am going to be on the Behind the Steel Curtain podcast tomorrow, previewing the Packers for the Steelers. Yeah, um, buddy. What's that? Look at you. And um, I wrote a thing quantifying all of the calls in the Packer game that's on Acme Packer Company right now. I've got a preview of the Steelers game on Shepard Express right now, and I'll be doing the Tecmo Super Bowl sim probably on Friday. Um, I'm gonna, I might try and stream this one, and at some point, maybe on Friday, I'm going to have listeners pick the plays. There's only eight of them, so it's not that hard. Um, Are you saying listeners or plays? Um, <laughs> either way, checks out the same. Um, but, uh, I, I put, Are we going to have to follow you on Twitch? Is that how this is going to work? I'm going to try and set it up for the Discord, but I'm not sure I know how to do that. And I have a Twitch channel already, so it'll probably be on Twitch. But... Yes. Okay, I'll show you how to do that. Uh, all right. You, you do that but um I, I do it on coaching so i don't if i control the players the package would win every game that's no fun so we only we call plays and watch what happens so it's a it, it's a good time they predicted the 49ers would win last week but it also didn't know they didn't have raheem mostert and um he rushed for 129 yards on nine carries so you know it you can make of that what you will um anyway that that is all for us this week also the mini pod later this week um previewing the, the steelers and we will talk to you again next week to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.